Rusty Quill presents. Welcome to Ain't Slayed Nobody. This is an actual play podcast intended for adults and may contain material that some people find disturbing. Please see the episode notes for content warnings and listen with care. If you found our show from Graham Patrick's guest writing on episode three of the Magnus Protocol, you might want to start with one of the campaigns he wrote on. Y'all of Cthulhu, our first ever season, is a complete horror campaign in the Old West. Next, we have Bleaker Trails, which is in the same setting. That has one complete season, and the final season is coming late in 2024. And if you're looking for something shorter and science fiction, we have a six-episode Blade Runner series. Thank you so much for listening. We hope to see you around. Our Discord is slade.me slash discord. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Colin Brock stands in the doorway of a Spanish colonial mansion. He's wearing a fine black suit and a smirk beneath his neatly trimmed black mustache. Ellie, you don't remember ever seeing Colin Brock in the flesh, but he's so familiar to you. Now, perhaps that familiarity comes from sketches of Brock that you've seen, probably on countless wanted posters. But still, you're unnerved by something like deja vu. You know him somehow. Lance and Ellie, you'll both notice that in contrast to the warmth of his voice, Brock's posture is imposing. He seems to lean toward you. He's giving off a sensation. It's... Not unlike a statue with eyes that seem to follow you as you move around a room. There's something unnatural about him. This would be more obvious to Lance than Ellie, so Jay, give me a spot hidden roll. Uh, 21. Good. On a regular success, you'll notice that Brock looks like he hasn't aged at all in the couple of years since you've seen him, but... He does have some odd hair loss. Same. (laughs) Yeah. Behind his ears, the hair is really thinning out. It reveals this leathery skin. Not at all like the smooth skin on his face. He's also a little pale to you, Lance. You remember him having this flawless bronze skin tone? And now it seems like he hasn't seen the sun in years. Maybe he's been in hiding? While Lance is taking this long look, Brock is going to turn and wave his arm for both of you to follow him inside the house. Come on now, I've got the perfect spot to chat. What would you like to do? Uh, (laughs) I don't know. You know, uh, you know, we just had that mad dash and Ellie's possessed. By a dust monster thing. <laughs> Alex, what do you want to do here? I'm putting you on the spot. We walk in. It's a, I think it's a, a slow walk in. A very wary. It's a, it's a weighted walk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If you're going to hesitantly walk into the mansion, I'm picturing the two of you scanning the surroundings very closely, looking at the walls and the ceiling, but not losing sight of Brock. Yeah, like if we had a flashlight, we'd be like shining it in every direction. Yes. You're stepping into the grand foyer of this house, and maybe it's more like an entrance hall. It's cavernous, your footsteps on the mosaic tile floors are echoing as you pass through. There's a winding staircase to your immediate right, and beyond that, this hall connects half a dozen rooms on your left and right. The decor is interesting. The walls are hand-smoothed mud plaster that's been painted red with these flowing ornamental patterns of black and gold. It's almost got this chinoiserie feel. What? (laughs) 
It's imitation Chinese, usually as interpreted by Europeans, but the painted characters don't look to be Chinese. Cultural appropriation is what it is. Yes, but to be clear, Colin Brock's doing that, not me. (laughs) As you move deeper into this foyer, there are more signs of Spanish colonial influence like you might have expected, with exposed wooden beams that have intricate expressive detailing. You see hand-woven wool rugs that are thrown over the tile, and there are clay pots adorning the edges of the room. These are beautifully made, and they look to be... Zapotec, but these do clash with the overall design of the room. Maybe this isn't all top of mind at the moment, but you notice it. Yeah, actually, uh, Colin, Colin, I was wondering why uh, why you have so many clashing patterns here. <laughs> seems like it seems like the house has been thrown together quite absurdly. <laughs> oh, you know, Lance, I have a great appreciation for different cultures around the world. You say you have so much appropriation for different cultures. <laughs> Are you attempting to cancel me, Lance? I think that would be my best strategy at this point. <laughs> Perhaps I have something that will suit your tastes, Lance. Follow me into the plazita, and we can all sit down and have a chat. I'm thinking it is time for a bit of a chat. Brock is hurrying you along now, and he's approaching these two glass-paned doors near the far end of the Great Hall. And as you take this all in, you'll notice there's something off about the angles in this mansion. There are no right angles anywhere. So wrong angles instead? Yeah, it it does seem unstable, (laughs) almost like the room, despite being large, is closing in on you. So, like, it's not architecturally sound. I'm going to follow very close and and close to my gun. Okay, you can keep your hands close to your hips. You've got those dual pistols. And I imagine you're wearing that sword across your back. Oh, yeah. As you walk through, Ellie and Lance, you'll notice out of the corner of your eye that there's movement in one of the adjoining rooms. Give me a spot hit and roll. 62. I rolled a 81. You both failed. Really, it was a shape. It, it barely caught your attention. Maybe you think it was a woman. She was setting a table or making up a bed. You're really not sure. You now hear a door slam from that direction. Uh, howdy to you as well, Mom. <laughs> Brock doesn't hesitate. He's moving through those glass doors. And when he opens them, you'll hear the sound of splashing water. All right, uh, so what's on the other side of those doors, since they're open now? <laughs> yeah, you see the beginning of a mud brick floor. The splashing intensifies as you approach, and oh, it looks like a fountain with figures sculpted in the center. The fountain has tiers. There are these curved benches that surround the fountain, and those are contoured to the base. Must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> He's rubbing his wealth in your face. Give me another spot hidden. I'm in love with spot hidden right now. I rolled a 100. I got a 44. (laughs) I'm not going to kill Lance on this fumble since he's just (laughs) taking in new scenery. But both of you are too distracted by the fountain to pick up any of the finer details around the courtyard. Okay. 
Well, why don't y'all have a seat on the benches here? Get comfortable. I'll stay on my feet if you don't mind. I don't mind. I'll sit. It's been a long day. <laughs> well, surely. Take a load off, Miss Bishop. <laughs> Take a load off, Ellie. <laughs> Sorry. I'll, I'll probably stand, like, I guess kind of close. I know. Is there, like, a gap in the benches? Like, in between two benches? Yes, the benches encircle the fountain, but there are gaps in between each bench. Okay. So I'll probably stand in one of the breaks uh, closest to Ellie. Can I take a closer look at the fountain? You said there are figures on it. Okay. As you get situated out here, you're facing a stone fountain with a wide basin and three tiers. There are grotesque sculptures in the center of the fountain. At the first tier, there are two figures holding up a bowl to the top tier. The one on the bottom left has cloven hooves and a forked tail. The stone is distinctive on this one in that it's this reddish-brown tint, unlike the rest of the fountain. The face has a long snout. It's like a cross between a dog and a goat. It's quite odd. The figure on the right is made with blackened stone. It's almost onyx, and that has the head of a jackal. The bodies are muscular human forms, and that top bowl that they're supporting has a stone bird emerging from it, and its wings are spread, but the feet are sculpted deep into the bowl, and its legs are outstretched. It's almost like it's trying to fly, but it's deliberately anchored here. Yikes. Alex, why don't you give me an intelligence roll for Ellie and see if she's perceiving anything else about this fountain. 45. That's a success for Ellie, and you're starting to remember there was this recent dream, and Ellie was walking around a lake... And it was very peaceful, but then she encountered a beast, uh, but was transported away from that lake into a professor's office. And it was in that office that she was looking at a stone tablet. That tablet looked like what Johnny's now wearing as a belt buckle. Do you remember? Yeah. Okay, good. And Kate Caldwell, the author of your journal... She was this little voice in your head telling you about the symbology on that tablet. That voice is faintly coming back, but you're not sure it's Kate's voice this time. It's kind of nagging at you, but it's reminding you, Ellie, of that dream. And you're going to recognize that the imagery in this fountain is reminiscent of the figures on that tablet. The figure on the left looks like the god of war, Set. And you knew that in the dream. The figure on the right is another deity, the god of the afterlife, Anubis. And they're propping up a bowl, and that bird in the bowl is an ibis. This is Ak, representing the soul. (laughs) Ah, yes. (laughs) It's striking to you now that this entire courtyard has an Egyptian motif. As you're looking at this, give me a power roll for Ellie. 31. You passed, and that voice that was reminding you about the dream subsides. You do notice, though, Ellie, that a faint black mist seems to be rolling off the top of the water in that upper bowl. 
And as we dolly out from the fountain, Brock is standing in front of it, grinning at you, Ellie. Well, how's your stay been so far? Are my people treating you well? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was nice to get to see uh, Dust Devil again. Oh, right. I I didn't realize y'all were close, Lance. Did you run into him over at his saloon? No, I'm talking about the one that possessed Ellie. (laughs) I'm sorry? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) You can tell him about the encounter if you'd like. No, I was was kidding. I was just going to go with the... uh... Old Dust Devil. (laughs) They do serve good food over there. I'll give them that. Did you have a chance to catch up? Seems things have uh, changed quite a bit since I have uh, been in, in contact with you. They have, Lance. They've changed quite a bit. And he gestures around the courtyard at the mansion. This is a time of prosperity, Lance. And I'm glad you're here with us. I can't help but wonder uh, how, how this time of prosperity came about. Well, you know, we ran so many successful jobs, Lance. Money was never a problem. I just, I wasn't quite ready to settle down is all. Until I decided to plant my roots here in Olvido. And what is it about Olvido that made you decide to plant your feet here? I have history here in Olvido, and it, it was simply my time to return. Do you believe in fate at all? You know, it's funny that you should ask that question. Dust Devil asked me a similar question. He asked me if I believed in fate. Oh, you don't say. Good man. What does fate have to do with what is happening here now? Lance, there was a time long before you came to America that I was wandering. I was out there looking for my purpose. And the winds of New Mexico, they blew me in here to Oviedo. At that point, I wasn't even a rustler, Lance. I was merely trying to survive. And I was sitting at the saloon, overheard this fascinating story from a couple of folks that they came over from England. They were studying in Massachusetts, but fate brought them out west and into that bar. This was an older gentleman. He seemed a bit unhinged to me, and he was with a younger woman, much younger. I think she went by Kate. I gathered they were looking for something valuable, so I volunteered to be their guide. I knew I could make off with at least a little share of that treasure. Well, they were over in the mines, digging and digging and digging, and gosh, they were intense. They found a few items they deemed important to whatever research they were doing, but uh, I found a little bit of my own. And ever since then, I've, I've been drawn to this place. There's something special here. Don't you feel it? Didn't you feel it when you crossed that bridge? When you heard that beautiful music? You said beautiful music. I I, I think the, uh, we may have a, a, a difference in opinion on what good music sounds like. <laughs> well, maybe it's an acquired taste. Like my decorating. <laughs> so anyhow, I returned to Old Vito and we pulled this town right out of the dirt. This was nearly a ghost town after the mines dried up. Look at her now. Oviedo was forgotten, and we revived it. Gave it purpose. This town has a fate, too, you know. And I I can't help but ask, Colin. What what do you think that fate is? 
Well, I plan to show you. Do you not believe in fate, Lance? What are the odds of you and Ellie coming together and forming a posse? Was that not fate? Ellie, what about you? I know you feel it. My fate? I don't think my fate is any of your business. I like you, Ellie. It's going to take you a while to warm up, but that's okay. <laughs> like, I cursed the day you were born. <laughs> I cursed the day you were born. I assume you're here to avenge your daddy? Yeah, that's pretty much it. You'll get your chance, and soon. As you can see, I'm no threat to you. I'm not even armed. He pulls back his coat and turns out his pockets. You don't see anything. Well, let's finish the tour. I'll show you the truth, and then you can decide what to do with it. And he starts to walk back into the house. Say, I understand Ellie's perspective, but Lance, what made you decide Maxwell needed to die? <laughs> to be honest with you, it sounded like he wanted to die. Yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe it was fate that decided it. Zing. <laughs> <laughs> you always were smart as a whip, Lance. Do we know in the moment, like, why he killed her father? No, Ellie doesn't know exactly what happened. He was a wanted man, so Ellie might assume that her dad spotted Brock and tried to take him in. Or if they were playing cat and mouse, maybe Brock saw him first. It's a bit of an unsolved mystery as far as you're concerned. Okay, so we don't know any of that? Okay. I think it was fate, though. Y'all killing Maxwell, I just... I, I didn't really see it that way until right now. But it brought you all together, didn't it? Hey, say, that reminds me. I was expecting five of you. What happened to the others? Well, <laughs> they're dead. <laughs> we don't actually know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they might be dead. <laughs> oh, well, 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 let's hope they're okay. And let's cut to the Fulton Place Hotel. As we look in on the lobby of the Fulton Place Hotel, all is quiet. There's no one here. Lukewarm coffee and a plate of untouched pancakes remain on that communal table, when suddenly a piercing scream breaks the silence. Moving past the front desk, down a short corridor, down the stairs, we enter the basement. Jeremiah, Father Flint, and Johnny Rhodes are reacting to the man responsible for that scream. He's bound to a chair, and his body is covered in scars and fresh cuts. Give me sanity checks, all three of you. Again? Oh, did I already take sanity from Jeremiah for this? Yeah, I lost. Oh, not for the scream. I did for the talon, so I guess I have to do one for the scream now. You do. 18. Jeremiah passes. And I rolled a 40, which is just barely not passing. Against 36? Yeah. That's a 13 that passes. Jeremiah and Johnny, you're going to lose D2 sanity? Uh, I got a one. Okay, I rolled a one. Good. Both of you just mark off one sand then. Brandon, give me a D6 for Flint's sanity loss. I rolled a two. And so I, as soon as I saw it and he screamed, I kind of have not 
run out of the room, but taken a few steps back very quickly, and I'm really kind of disoriented now, now that we're down here and this is all happening. The Talon kind of brought what I was expecting to a different baseline, so the screaming kind of affects me, but not really. So I just kind of take like a step back. Something is building here for Jeremiah, and I kind of like it. Yeah, it's like, oh, what the fuck? The screaming has subsided, and the man before you is bound to the chair, but he's collapsed after this scream. Is he actually dead now? It's not clear. Hey. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy, you doing all right there? You okay? Hey, hey there, buddy. And, and I'm getting closer. Is he alive or dead? Jeremiah does notice shallow breathing. If you can hear me, go. <laughs> if you can hear me, go. There's slight movement in that leathery scarred chest, but he isn't responding to you. Talking to him isn't working. Hey guys, he's still, he's still with us. Is there a car battery that I can... Are we able to get him up the stairs and maybe look at him in the light? Yeah, maybe some sunlight will do the trick. <laughs> <laughs> some fresh air. <laughs> yeah. Set all vitamin D. Yeah. Okay, so I'll cut him loose. Jeremiah, I don't think, has a knife. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll cut him loose with, uh, with Stabby. <laughs> okay. Is Stabby the Bowie knife? Yeah. Johnny, you get in close and notice, well, first, how bad this guy smells. It's like he's been rotting away in here for a long time. As you kind of recoil from that, give me a spot hit and roll. I got a 50. That's a success. On the success, Johnny, you're going to see a glint, almost a glow from something near the very back of this room. I don't know if Johnny's seen anything quite like this before. Maybe it looks like something that belongs on a steam train. It's a large iron box. It has an overhang jutting from the front of it. And under that overhang, there's a small metal door with a knob handle. It's some kind of machine, maybe. How big is this? Like bigger than a bread box? Much larger than a bread box, like a okay. Ford Focus. That's what Johnny would think. <laughs> You've also noticed something, Johnny, on the back table where the animal parts were strewn about. Here we go. There's a folded sheet of paper underneath a couple of the tools. Okay. Do any of these appear to be Sinead parts? You don't think so. There's what looks to be a horse's ear, but it doesn't look like Sinead's. Okay. Good answer. Yeah. It's not dappled. Mm -hmm. All right, I would like to look at the sheet of paper. I think I know what it is. Okay, you open that to read it, and it's just a short poem, a single stanza. Oh. And it says, Among the stars, the chain breaks. The gates are flung open. And the mist embraces the earth. Cool, cool. I guess I'm going to look at this machine. Okay. I feel like I'm going to regret that, but I'm going to do it anyway. Hey, what do y'all make of this thing? 
I want to get everybody else over here in case it kills anybody. It should be all of us. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, it's a great idea. Okay, everyone can walk over there and see the nuts and bolts of this thing. It's a bit warm. You're all looking at this large black iron box up against the wall. Is it a furnace? Out of character, you would think this looks very much like a furnace. Okay. Have we opened this thing? No, you're standing in front of it and the door is closed. It's not visibly locked. Yeah, I'm going to open that. Johnny opens the door and you feel hot air escaping. That metal is warm to the touch. It's dark inside. Even in the lantern light, you can't really make out anything by looking inside, except you think it's full of ash. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, something here has been reduced to ashes, but you're not sure what that material is. I thought we could fucking guess what that material is. Alright, I'm just gonna do it. I'd like to reach in there and rummage around in the ash and see if I can find anything. No good. Okay, it's pretty hot. Are you sticking your arm all the way in? I'll put on a glove and I'm sticking my arm in the incinerator. <laughs> <laughs> okay, alright. Okay, with the glove, I won't make you roll for luck. <laughs> you put your arm inside, and you can't reach most of the ash, but you can certainly brush your hand through the top layer, kind of run your fingers through it. Give me a spot hidden. Oh, yeah, that's what I needed. That is a 21. Yeah, dude. That's a, uh, it's a hard success. On the hard success, you're going to feel something solid. Uh, you can pull that out if you'd like. Yeah. Yep, we're going to do that. This is clearly a bone. Cool. It's pretty large. You can give me a medicine roll to see if you know something about it. Hey, Jeremiah, does this look human to you? I'm asking because he has read you have a body. Should I roll first aid for that? No, I think with you have a body, Jeremiah doesn't even need to roll. It's going to look like a human bone to Jeremiah. Yeah, that looks like a person. Uh, it looks like a tibia. Okay, perfect. If this is a tibia, would you say that the rest of this ash might have some femur mist in it? <laughs> it could have at once been femur vapor. <laughs> Off to your right now, you'll notice a door that was hidden from your view when you were in the front of the room. Okay. It's a yeah. solid wooden door, and it is locked. Sure. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a large padlock. We still have the keys, though, don't we? Yeah, I didn't put them down. Let's try some keys. I try the first key. <laughs> you, you get to the seventh key out of ten, and the lock clicks open. <laughs> uh, can I give a quick uh, listen behind that door to hear the monster that's about to kill us? <laughs> uh, absolutely. You can give me a listen roll for Johnny. Uh, yeah, that's a 55. That's a success. On the success, you'll hear bellowing, but it's distant. Bellowing? <laughs> it's not just bellowing, though. There are other sounds, too. Is it growling? Is that chirping? It's very strange, but certainly more than one thing. Good. This door's pretty thick, so you can't pinpoint anything specifically, but you probably think these are animal sounds. 
Y'all, there is definitely something behind this door. Are we opening this? Sounds good. Let's bite the big one. Let's do it. And I <laughs> cock my rifle and draw it. We all have our weapons with us, right? You do. Yeah, okay. I'm just making sure. I got a pickaxe in one hand and a gun in the other. Let's go. Are we, Thelma and Louising this? <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> all right. Hands clasped. <laughs> all right. So you're all going in? Well, we're opening the door. Let's not get hasty. <laughs> That's fair. The door creaks open, and straight ahead, you're looking at a rock wall. Like rock wall? <laughs> yeah, and there's Jay. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's Terrell, Texas. <laughs> you think this area is probably underneath the area behind the front desk, the kitchen, and any storage they have back there. All right. Let's go check the grease trap. <laughs> Who's leading? Because I don't feel like it should be me since I'm bad at all of the fighting types. Is it dark as shit in here, or do we have, like... It's certainly darker in this area, but you do have two lanterns that are still lit. All right, who's leading? Go with God. Okay, it's me. Let's let's die. You got that, you got that scythe. I got the scythe, I got the, the rifle, the pistol. I got God. Are you still shirtless? <laughs> he has never owned a shirt. Just the coveralls with no shirt. But and the collar. <laughs> Are you holding the hammer and sickle crossed over one another? He's doing this for the proletariat. <laughs> <laughs> Forward, comrades. Uh, no, just the sickle and uh, the gun. <laughs> and now as the three of you are passing through this door... Ellie and Lance are walking back through those glass doors over in Brock's mansion. Let's check in on them. Okay, you're following Brock toward the back of the house now, and he's going to be chatting with you as you walk. And who's this baby I keep hearing about? Ellie, is that your little girl? I mean, yes and no. <laughs> her name's complicated. Uh, her name's Bernie. She's named after Alberta. We found her on our journey. Well, how fortuitous. <laughs> it was awfully kind of you to take in a baby that's not yours. Will the others be coming along shortly? Man, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, these are crazy times indeed. Brock leads you into the next room, which is a large library. It's very impressive. The library is circular. You're in this cylinder. This probably juts out from the back of the house, you think? Dozens of shelves curve around the walls, conforming to the shape of this room. Those are constructed out of a dark brown wood. They almost give off the illusion that they're floating, but you know that's not true. There are several high-backed chairs facing in towards side tables. Those all have clean ashtrays carved into them. There's daylight streaming in through the windows which face the mountains. That might be a little disorienting as you felt like the mountains were on the front side of the house. This library is surprising to find in a house, even in a mansion. It might be something you'd expect to find in a college, like NMA and MA. Menomena. <laughs> On your right, there's a steel ladder that's enclosed in a wide mesh as it ascends toward a graded steel platform, and it's attached to that platform. 
The center of this platform is open, it goes all the way around, and through it you can see a domed ceiling. This is strange. It's not immediately clear what's up there. Perhaps it's a different collection of books. On the far side of this ground floor, you spot a contraption sitting on top of a tabletop. It's gold-colored, and maybe you think it's not solid gold, it's probably been gilded. This device has a round base, and you'll notice some mechanical parts. There are small gears, it looks like there are handles that you could use to try to move everything around. The focal objects are these orbs, these spheres of varying sizes, and those are connected to these thin L-shaped posts. It's fascinating, really. Both of you can give me education rolls to see if this is familiar at all. 24. Oh, excellent. Did you pass two, Lance? Yeah, I rolled a 22. So it's a hard success. It's not an extreme success. On both of those hard successes, you are going to recognize this from your schooling. You learned a little bit about the solar system, and you might have even noticed something mechanically similar to this at the college. President Hadley was an astronomer, and he had various items on display. This is an orrery. It's a mechanical model of the solar system. It's not quite the solar system as you know it, though. It looks like the Earth, Sun, and Moon are here, but there are more planets here than there should be. Something's off. This is not how you learned it. Now, you know basically what this is, but give me an intelligence roll on top of education to see if these differences mean anything to you. Fifteen. I rolled a thirty-five. It's another hard success for me. Lance, when you were unconscious, I know that's happened multiple times, but after the gunshot at the campsite, when you woke up and saw Birdie for the very first time, just before that, you saw two orbs, and they were racing to cover another object, like some sort of eclipse. The positioning of these planets reminds you of that vision. And Ellie, when you arrived in Olvido, you experienced synesthesia. You were suspended in this black mist, and you were facing the mountains. At that time, Ellie, you didn't notice the planets. But now that you're looking at this orrery, it is taking you back to that moment, just before your father told you to finish this. The black sky was thick with mist, but somehow you now know that if you could have just cleared that mist or gone a little bit further, you would have seen the alignment from this orrery. Neither of you fully grasps what you're looking at, This is all happening in a matter of seconds, but maybe it's not wrong. And there's a voice right behind your left ear, Lance. Beautiful, isn't it? I'm uh, a bit intrigued by this uh, ori you have up here. What is it that catches your eye, Lance? You never struck me as an astronomer. Yeah, well, I'm not much of an astronomer, but uh, I, I, I do seem to... To recognize that uh, there are some planets that are perhaps out of shape. What exactly do you mean by that? You think the coordinates are off? Brock gets in close like he's about to tinker with it. He looks concerned. 
I think there's only eight planets in our solar system. I don't remember. Is it nine? Eight? I can't remember. Uh, Pluto wasn't discovered till the 30s or 40s. So it was eight. Yeah, it was eight then, and now it's eight again. Now, Brock, he's kind of brushing his fingers across the model planets. Well, there's Hadoth and Ibith and Doxata. What the fuck? What? Those do not seem to be the words that I have learned for planets. <laughs> oh, right. You wouldn't know this yet. I, I get it. I apologize. Perhaps I can show you. And now he starts to walk toward that ladder. Come along now. You're going to want to see this. Okay. Is Ellie going to? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just wait until he turns around to shoot him and game over? Yes, you're very welcome to do that at any time. <laughs> are you following him up then? Yep. Now that you're up there and your boots are resonating on this steel platform, you'll notice a large brass device, and that's facing an opening at the front of the dome that looks upward and outward. This is a telescope, but it's not something you'd be able to carry by yourself. This is hefty and it's seated on a sturdy-looking tripod. Brock gestures to Lance toward the telescope, like he wants you to come take a look. It is daytime right now. Would you like to see, Lance? Uh, not particularly, but I'm going to do it anyway. Now, this telescope, it's not directly facing the sun or anything like that, but all you're getting is an eye full of bright blue New Mexico sky. That light, in contrast to the dark library, it's quite harsh to you. <laughs> I'm uh, not sure what I'm supposed to be looking at here, but uh, I don't think I'm seeing it. Sure, Lance. Well, let's try something else. And he pulls something from the top of his white shirt that's underneath that black suit. He exposes a necklace. The attached stone looks like an elongated diamond shape, but this isn't a diamond. It, it might be two to three inches long, and it's kind of a cloudy opal. It's colorful. You see blues and greens and orange, and there are even these shallow carvings. Uh, none of those are distinguishable to you, especially from this distance. But Brock is going to remove the stone, and he places it behind the eyepiece of the telescope. He slides it into a little compartment. Now, both of you can try a spot hidden as he's moving this stone right in front of you. Rolling, rolling. 73. 52. Okay, you both fail here. And the only other thing you pick up is that the way light refracts when it enters the stone is odd. You're not experts on gemstones or anything like that. It's probably fine, but you did notice that. Take another look, Lance. Well, it almost blinded me last time I looked through the, through the telescope, so... Uh... <laughs> well, that was my mistake. You, you don't need to worry about that now. And he even turns the telescope. He pivots it on the tripod so that now it's facing directly into the wall. All right, uh, well, I, I suppose I can humor you. Boy, what the fuck is this guy's problem? <laughs> <laughs> When you look through the telescope, Lance, you're not seeing the wall as you might expect. There's this manifestation of brilliant light. Yeah. 
and this prismatic light, it's like it's shining through a crystal, it's intensifying the outlines of distant shapes. Lance, you'll begin to see imagery that's reminiscent of that dream and the imminent eclipse. These planetary bodies look like they're going to collide, but it's impossible for you to estimate the depth, so they may just be crossing. And what you're seeing, you're attracted to it strangely, Lance. This is beautiful. It's, it's almost difficult for you to pull your eye away. But when you finally do, I will need a sanity check. All right. <laughs> uh, I rolled... <laughs> I rolled a 97. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll lose the full four points there. Lance is clearly affected by what he saw through the telescope. How is he reacting? Uh, I think he kind of panics. He, he has a start and he like hurries away from the, the telescope and like jumps back. Good. Lance jumps back from the telescope and Ellie, he looks startled. Lance, the visions from your dreams, they're racing through your head now. It almost physically hurts a little bit. And does Ellie react to Lance? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Where is um, Colin standing in relation? Okay, now that Lance has jumped back, he's in between you and Brock. Okay. You were close to the ladder. You hadn't quite walked all the way across the platform yet, and Brock is near the observation window. Whoa, Lance, what did you see? I, uh, I, I can't explain it. It's, don't look, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense. Colin, what are you doing? I, I'm trying to show you the truth. Uh, would you like to take a look for yourself, Ellie? No. Okay. Now, Lance, why are you so perturbed? It doesn't make any sense. It, does, it doesn't make any sense at all. I don't, I don't know what's happening. What doesn't make sense? What the, what I saw through the telescope, it, it makes no sense. Well, what did you see, Lance? I, I don't know how to explain it. It doesn't make any kind of scientific sense. It's like some some kind of some kind of alignment. It's the timing, Lance. Did you see it? Something special is happening here. Something that's never happened before and may never happen again. You do understand that, don't you? I, I don't. I don't think I do. I don't think that makes any sense at all. Okay, give it time, Lance. This is new for you. Ellie, are you sure you wouldn't like to take a look for yourself? It'd mean a lot to me. No, I think I've seen enough. Okay, well, uh, let's head to my study. I believe we have business to settle. I only have a couple other things to share, and then you're free to do what you'd like. And Brock removes the stone from the telescope and reattaches that to his necklace. He tucks that back into his shirt. And then he starts down the ladder. I'm thinking about just, like, shooting him while he's climbing down yeah, the ladder. Yeah, can we just shoot him? Yes, absolutely, you can shoot him. But then what happens? It's not, we're outnumbered. <laughs> I feel like it's not going to go well. Yeah. Let's just go to the study. I'm cool with that. Okay. Colin Brock will begin leading you out of the library. But uh, first, let's check on Father Flint, who was leading Johnny and Jeremiah into a second room in the hotel basement. 
in the lantern light, Father, you're going to be taking things in a little at a time. And if you follow that stone wall down the corridor in this room, the wall is going to start giving way to iron bars. This is some kind of cage or barred cell, and those bars are going from ceiling to floor. We're Scooby doing right behind him, by the way. Yeah. Is this like we're walking down the corridor where Hannibal Lecter is? That is exactly what this looks like, yes. Okay, cool. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> is it where's Migs at? <laughs> <laughs> I'm anticipating there's going to be a beast caged somewhere mm-hmm. in this. Is it in this first cage? Cup. I'm holding the lantern up to the cage. Would you say you are within tentacle distance of the bars? <laughs> <laughs> What you see as you hold the lantern up to the cage, Father, it looks like a dog. Or maybe it's a wolf. Did you say it looks like a wolf? It looks like a wolf. You heard him. Uh, Yeah, it has matted fur. It looks like the fur is matted with dried blood. It's walking very slowly with this terrible limp. Father, now that it's walking into the light, it looks to you like it has goat's legs. Hmm. That's good. Okay. So it's just half dog, half fucking Tom Brady. Sorry. <laughs> First, I'm going to whistle to the dog and say, here, boy. Or the wolf. The dog didn't like that at all. It started limping toward the wall. Okay, like away from me. Yes, that's right. Like, tail between its legs, kind of? You'd gather this animal hasn't been treated well by humans. It's whimpering now. Come here, boy. Yeah, I want to sort of hold that bone through the bars of the cage and wave it. Like, come here, boy. And that's how I lost my arm. (laughs) It's going to take a while for the animal to make it over to you. But when you're dangling the bone, it does inch into the lantern light again. Its mutilated legs are disturbing. It's obvious to you that the legs were amputated Ugh. and Jesus. they were replaced by goat's legs. Alrighty then. Who's a good boy? Mm-hmm. Who's a good puppy? It will nibble at the bone. Can I pet it? Yeah, you can pet it. It sinks its head and neck down into its shoulders as you pet it. So there's some hesitation, but it does seem to enjoy the pets. As a good boy. I'm just going to give it some scritches behind the ear. I'm going to name you Paws. <laughs> You're going to have to kill Paws now, Cup. You're going to have to mercy kill Paws in a second. Uh, actually, I would like to unlock Paws' cage. Okay, as Johnny unlocks Paws' cage, I will ask each of you for a sanity check at the first sight of Paws. I failed. I failed as well. If you failed, give me a D3 roll for sanity loss. And I rolled a 2. I rolled a 2 as well. So, at this point I've been saving the sanity, so you might as well just knock it down. Yeah, just take take the licks. I passed. Johnny loves this animal, so that makes sense. Yeah, I was going to say. You should get a sanity reward. (laughs) He is my rock now. (laughs) My comfort animal is horrifying to behold. (laughs) 
<laughs> Amazing. Come on, boy. We're going to go find Sinead. And Johnny does open the cage for Paws using the Ring of Keys. Now, Paws is reluctant to exit the cage, but Johnny, you should be able to coax him out with that tibia. Come on, Paws. Let's go find Sinead and we'll get you out of here. We'll get you a ham steak. I know it's hard to imagine a wolf on goat's legs that's not getting around very well. I want you to say wolf as many times as possible. You keep saying wolf. <laughs> wolf. And it makes me so happy. A wolf. <laughs> I hope that I don't know if this I don't know if this is a bit or not. I can't even think of another way to say it. A wolf. This is literally a scene in New Girl where he keeps saying woof and they're like wolf. And he's like, a woof. A woof. <laughs> a woof. You, you have to keep this in the episode. I swear to God. I don't even understand what I'm doing wrong. It sounds like I'm saying what you're saying. There's an L in the word. Cuppy. I know. The guy that wrote it. Law and Order's name. What's his name? Dick Wolf. <laughs> That's the best thing that's happened in this show. I'm saying the L. Wolf. No, you're not. No, you're not saying the L. There's no part of you saying L. You're saying wolf. wolf. (laughs) Okay, okay. Say say W-O-L-F. Wolf. Okay, now say W-O-O-F. Wolf. It's the same word. It's the same word. No, it's not. It's wolf and wolf. (laughs) Wolf and wolf. Oh, now you're saying the L. Yeah, okay. Wait, when did English become Mandarin and tonal? (laughs) Hold on. Let me say it in a sentence. (laughs) Okay. We've heard you say it in a sentence, but continue. The wolf has goat legs. (laughs) The wolf. You're doing this on purpose. (laughs) Okay, we have have to move on or I'm going to have an aneurysm. (laughs) The wolf. Yeah. Wolf. I can't. There you go. Oh, there it yeah. was. Oh, no, that's, that, that's not natural. Wolf. Wolf. <laughs> I don't like that. I'm, I'm not only keeping that, I'm keeping the whole sequence. Please do, because this made my night. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to be self-conscious about that word forever. <laughs> all right. So pause is it's following like us. It's like salve, but the opposite. It's the opposite of salve. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so the dog wolf is not quite by your side yet, but has gone through the opening to the cage. Sure, that's fine. Good boy. What would you like to do? Uh, Continue on down and see if I can befriend any more horrors. Any more abominations. Give me a luck roll. Oh. Okay. Me? Yeah, Johnny. Uh... 61. If that's luck, it's definitely a fail. Okay, you failed. Are you letting Paws do whatever he likes? Yeah. I mean, I'm not the boss of him. Okay. If you're proceeding toward the next cage, Paws is going to liven up a little bit and start snarling. Yeah, he sticks his nose between the bars. Hmm. Paws, I need you to back up, buddy. There might be tentacles. Uh, I'm going to stand outside of tentacle range and hold up my lantern to look into this cage. You're quickly learning that this is some sort of menagerie. Mm-hmm. It's a Dr. Moreau Island of Horrors. I get it. Yeah, we got it. It's a three-assed monkey. 
Yeah, in this cage, it looks like the front half of a calf, and it steps forward, revealing the hind quarters of a sheep. Uh huh. And that attachment is gruesome. Okay. It's the Nicktoons rejection bin. <laughs> it's not the front half of both, like a push me pull you. <laughs> no, but that would have been amazing. I should have done that. As this thing steps further into the light, you do realize that it's walking on what appear to be small human hands. Mm. Cool. No. Okay, well, I'm not going to befriend this one. Shake its hand. (laughs) Good firm handshake. Go network. Yeah, let me see if it gives me a high five. (laughs) Yeah. Down low. Too slow. These aren't inanimate hands either. The the way the fingers are curling and contorting is off-putting. <laughs> they they're bowing up and flattening out. Is it like Thing from Adam's family? Yes, like Thing. I need sanity checks from all of you. <laughs> oh, I failed one. I failed. Was it 37? I think that's a pass for you. In a row? I have a 34, so actually, no. Oh. Everyone give me a D3 for the loss. Oh, I lost three. Cool, cool, cool. I lost one. I rolled a one. Johnny is going to puke up a little bit, which I assume that Paws is going to lick up. (laughs) Because I've owned a lot of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I, I guess my reaction is trying to rethink why we're in here, right? Like, if we can only assume that this whole pathway is just more of this terrible, terrible thing, mm-hmm. what's the point of going further down? Like, we got the point. Like, yeah. should we just run back up? Johnny is looking for what they did to Sinead. I might. I, uh, I don't know if I need to see that at this point. <laughs> yeah. Are you bailing? I might be. I might be like, slowly backing up and maybe not going as further down as you would be. Like I don't want to keep seeing it. If that makes sense. Jeremiah is just standing there, kind of stuck. Okay. Johnny is moving on. Chuck, instead of luck this time, give me a D three roll. Uh, that's a two. Okay, Johnny walks forward, and it's another cage. Do you dare peek inside with the lantern? Yep. Outside of tentacle distance. Johnny, this is Sinead. I want you to know how much I hate you. You bastard. She's standing sideways, not currently facing you. You're sure this is her, Johnny? The dappling is unmistakable. (laughs) Sinead, honey, I'm here. Come here. She doesn't respond immediately when you call her name. She may be disoriented, from what you can tell. So she turns to look at me, and what horrifying awfulness. She eventually does tap her front hooves and starts to pivot towards you, Johnny. Come here, Sinead. Come on. She's turning into the light, and there's a shape. Something is wrong with her. 
Something's wrong with her neck. You can see her full face, which is intact, but Sinead looks out of sorts. Maybe she's been tranquilized recently? Oh, now you see it, Johnny. It's like a boar's head has been hideously grafted onto the base of Sinead's neck. But also her head? Yes, her head seems okay. This is an addition without obvious subtraction. I described this as a boar's head, but perhaps it's more accurate to say a boar's face. It's not attached at the boar's neck. This isn't a complete skull, but the boar is animated. It's not lifeless. It's drooling and making guttural sounds as it locks eyes with you, Johnny, and lets out a squeal. It looks like the boar is trying to bite at Sinead's neck, but it can't quite make that work. Give me a sanity check for Johnny. That's a fail. Okay, she's your horse, so give me a d6 for the loss. That's a two. Okay, you avoid any bout of madness as Sinead begins to walk closer to the bars. Does she seem like she recognizes me? She does have this drowsy look, but... It is Sinead. You don't think she's had a lobotomy or anything like that. Come here, Sinead. Let me see what they did to you. The area of her neck where the boar face was attached is horrific. It's seeping blood and black fluid. It looks like this might have been done haphazardly and recently, but that's obvious. Okay. I'm going to call out to Jeremiah and Flint. And I'm going to say... Boys, if you don't have the stomach for this, I'm going to need you to go ahead and head back up the hallway for a minute. And then I'm going to go unlock Sinead's cage. Jeremiah's going to leave. Yeah, I'm going to slowly back away. Especially, I mean, if he's just going to lead her I mean, please stay within distance where if I'm attacked, I have help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're not. We're keeping it like. (laughs) Right. We're keeping it close. We're just backing up. (laughs) Here's the thing, boys. I have found Sinead, and she is not in a good way, but she's coming with me. Sinead and Paws and I are heading back out. They need to exact their revenge upon Colin Brock at some point. They're coming with me. I have to announce that we need the fan art of Johnny walking out of this place with oh my these God. two animals. I need that. Please, God, it would look awesome. <laughs> that would be the most metal thing in this entire <laughs> podcast. It's just me walking out of the dark with a lantern followed by these two horrific abominations. <laughs> so, so you feel no love for the animal in the middle cage, Johnny? No, I'm not interested in that <laughs> sheep hand bullshit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's fucking terrifying. Now, when Johnny gets back to that first cage, the one where he found the wolf, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you hear something echoing through this corridor. The mewling of a cat. Nope. Stop it. Nope. Stop it. No, Jesus. Nope. (laughs) If you're not a cat person, you can keep walking. Not a cat person at all. Certainly not a... Whatever is going on with that cat. 
Yeah, we took the baby motherfucker. We're not biting on cute kitty. <laughs> I will point out that this is not one cat. Now it sounds like half a dozen cats, maybe more. I'll be honest with you. If it's six normal cats, I'm less interested. <laughs> like, I can't deal with six cats. <laughs> Ugh. Six real cats in my real life would give me the heebie-jeebies if they were all in one room. Johnny, as you walk out of this area, I have to ask, because I think we've all forgotten, has Birdie been strapped to your chest the whole time? Yes. Oh my god, I forgot! <laughs> I gotta assume she's not reacting, because she doesn't seem to react <laughs> much. <laughs> For the record, she has not seemed interested in any of this. So Johnny walks through the end of this stone corridor... There's Paws' cage on his right, and assume that cell door creaks back open as you all pass. Johnny is centered in the path, holding out his lantern in front, and Birdie is strapped to his chest, looking completely vacant. On Johnny's right, Paws the wolf is trotting along the outer edge of his old cell on those goat legs. While on Johnny's left, Sinead is walking along slowly, with the face of a boar scowling at Johnny from her neck. Flint and Jeremiah, you inevitably see Johnny emerge with these creatures. Everything has become very wide in this room. The doorways, everything. The corridor. And at seeing new Sinead for the first time, I will ask for a sanity check from each of you. Yeah, I failed again, and I got a three. Yeah, fine. D3 is what I was going to call Yeah, I got a, I got a uh, 65, and let me roll, and I got a one. I'm down to 19 now, and I started this game with 25. What? Okay, with that, I do have news. What's the... Yes. <laughs> Jeremiah is indefinitely insane, having lost more than one-fifth of his sanity today. I think what really struck you, Jeremiah, is that Sinead walked out and looked normal for a moment, but then she turned ever so slightly, and you got a glimpse of this boar's face, and its deformed mouth appeared to be chewing on its own tongue, mm -hmm. and this sent you reeling. Now, Wes, would you like to help me determine your bout of madness for Jeremiah, or should I do that for you? I think when the horse turned, Jeremiah saw Mr. Riggles with a boar's head. Uh-huh. And it, and it, along with, you know, the current situation and all the other animals and all of it hits him at once. And he begins to shake. Good. Jeremiah is going to have an underlying phobia of animals. A fully justified and reasonable fear of the animals. <laughs> so, so Jeremiah probably probably runs the fuck out of there. Yes, Jeremiah is going to flee in panic. He's running out of the basement. I'm running out of the house. Oh, out of the hotel. Perfect. We'll have to see where you end up. And as you run out, Jeremiah does hear that man that he almost rescued just faintly say, Help me. Die. I hope you die! <laughs> That's alright, I'm gonna convince Flint to get that guy. 
Okay. <laughs> Father Flint and Johnny, you watch Jeremiah hightail it out of the basement. That tracks. That makes sense. <laughs> right? No one's surprised by this. No, I, I get it. <laughs> Is the man tied? Like, how do I untie him? What's he tied with? Johnny already cut him down with a Bowie knife, and then you all went to look at the incinerator and left him <laughs> oh, here. Oh, so he's just kind of <laughs> laying on the ground now. Okay, great. And I just wandered <laughs> This man doesn't look dead, but he's in a bad place, and he's crumpled on the floor. Maybe carry him out bodyguard style. Yeah. I'm Kevin, I'm Kevin Costner. Yeah, here we go. Father Flint, you'll have just enough strength to carry this man up the stairs and out of the basement. Okay. Johnny, are you trying to take these animals up the stairs? Yeah. Well, I suppose if they got down this way. Exactly. If she can go downstairs, I know for a fact that it's easier for a horse to go upstairs than down. (laughs) There was probably a loading dock with a ramp at the end of that long corridor (laughs) by the cats. Yeah, the stairway is much wider than you remembered it, and the steps aren't that steep at all. It's very sturdy, too. It could hold up a horse or two. Pause is bringing up the rear. This is incredibly difficult for Pause. That makes sense. You do make it out of the basement. I'm happy to give you that win. Cool. Thanks. And now we'll pause and, sorry, see what Ellie and Lance are getting into at Colin Brock's mansion. Brock is leading you to the study now, and it's not far from the library. He walks you through that hall connecting all of the rooms and into an office. Inside, there's this massive red maple desk in the center of the room, and there's a high-backed leather chair behind it. It has prominent metal studs along its curved back. There are two smaller chairs that await on your side of the desk. Brock starts to work his way behind the desk. Now both of you have a seat. I insist. I think I'm I think I'm still too kind of shook. Lance, you could try standing behind one of the chairs, maybe gripping it. Yeah. Is Ellie sitting? Yeah, I'm sitting, but it isn't like like it's an interrogation, so I'm not just like sitting like a weakling. I've got like a leg crossed and I'm leaning forward. That's going to be easy to do because the chairs almost seem to lean forward. Yeah, the backing tilts inward to keep you at attention, maybe. You'll both notice a full-length seated portrait of Colin Brock on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he's a narcissist. (laughs) In the painting, he's looking off to his right a bit while holding his hat in his right hand, and he's leaning on a sword pommel with his left. He looks to be the same age as he is now. His dress coat is adorned with a double row of brass buttons. He's in the foreground of some kind of camp with tents, and there's activity from soldiers in the background. Why don't both of you give me education roles as you take notice of this portrait? 42, which is still a hard success. (laughs) Yeah, Lance with the big brain. 62. Ellie barely failed here, but Lance is going to know that Brock is dressed as a U.S. military officer. But what really strikes you as peculiar is that his uniform looks like one from the Mexican-American War, which took place in the late 1840s. 
And what year are we in now? 1891. Okay, I thought so. Yeah, it's a bit odd. You sure you don't want to rest your bones, Lance? Uh, looks like you've had a rough go of it. No, I, I, I still don't think I will sit down. All right, well, Ellie, I know why you're here. Why were you so hell-bent on finding me? Well, you are the one who killed my dad. Ah, well, of course. You know, there may be a little bit from my history with your father that never came to light for you, Ellie. You know, I did spend some time in Canateo myself as a younger man. We didn't call it Canateo then, but... Well, well, here, let me show you. Brock begins to open one of the drawers in that desk. You know, Clay, your daddy, he he was a smart man, and uh, I was quite fond of him. He, we had some dealings, Ellie, before he was murdered. You know a little bit about me, Ellie, but you, you really just know about the very end of my journey with your father. And as he's talking, he takes out a stack of letters that are tied up with twine, and he sets those on the desk. Your daddy and I, we were in the same circle, Ellie. He was my confidant, believe it or not. And he was a big believer in fate. And he pushes that stack of correspondence across the desk towards you, Ellie. Have a look for yourself. Okay. Do I need to roll to be able to read it? No, I don't need a roll. I just need to know whether you accept the stack. Yeah, I'll take it. Okay, and you're looking at the letters. Yeah, I want to rifle through it. Ellie, you quickly realize that this is genuine correspondence between your father, Clay Bishop, and Colin Brock. The handwriting is unmistakably your father's. The letters are a little strange. They discuss meeting dates and locations, progress updates. It's it's quite businesslike, but it's vague on details on what they were working on. They had some kind of relationship, and that alone is going to be surprising to you, Ellie. As you're flipping through, one letter catches Ellie's eye. You recognize your mother's name, and this is in your father's handwriting. Colin, you'll regret to learn that we lost Dorothy last month. I'm broken, but little Ellie is doing well, and I love her so. Pray for her. We moved back to the old house, and I need to unpack our things, but it hurts. I've been having more intense dreams. I want to meet again next month. Be cautious, and our studies will not be disrupted. I've seen to that personally. Date and location to follow. And that's not all. There's another letter mentioning you and your mother. My memory has so failed that I look back on our past correspondence to recall progress. Please update me on your experiments. It has been too long since we talked. I went this morning to do some shopping for my dear little daughter. She is proving to be a bright child. Dorothy would be proud of her. I pray her future is of her own making. I focus so on little things, I find I am often behind on matters of great importance. Ellie, your father was a dear friend of mine. And I hope you do believe me when I tell you I'd never want to see him killed like that. We were working on some things together. You've seen the orrery. We were both having these strange dreams, and uh, I, I took your father under my wing. 
Well, that's not fair. He was more of an equal to me than a student. So why did you kill him? Well, see, that's just the thing, Ellie. And Brock reaches back into the desk drawer. I've been holding on to this, Ellie. It's been a weight. It's been something that anchored me to my purpose. It's reminded me that I need to finish this, Ellie. And he shows you a sheriff's badge that he's removed from the drawer, and he sets it on the desk between you and Lance. Ellie, you're going to immediately recognize that as your father's badge. It's the badge he wore every day, the one that was never recovered from his body. Is Lance reacting to this? Uh, I think Lance is going to kind (laughs) of just, uh, see what happens here. (laughs) Okay. You see, Ellie, I needed to speak to your father. It had been months since we spoke, and everything was beginning to happen and to align, and I thought we needed to move forward. Now, your daddy, he was a good man, but he was stubborn as hell. And he refused to hear me out on any of this. Couldn't get his ear when I needed him the most. So I made a decision. I felt like I had to bring him in. I just needed one more opportunity. And of course I regret this now, Ellie. I I never did get a straight story about what happened because... Well, he fled. But we're all here now by the hand of fate. So maybe we should just go ahead and ask Lance why he killed your daddy, Ellie. Whoa. Thank you for listening to Ain't Slayed Nobody. For ad-free episodes, lots of bonus content and special programming, please join our wolf pack at patreon.com slash ain't slayed or subscribe to ain't slayed nobody plus at apple podcasts nothing helps the show more than becoming a subscriber see our show notes for full credits and help us grow by posting friendly reviews and spreading the word to your friends and followers thank you and good luck out there